Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro, and we are back. For some of you, that might not make a lot of sense, but for those who have listened before, uh, this used to be a podcast for about four seasons, um, and I uh, thought I had filmed the last episode in 2019 and then decided to take a break. What with jobs and other responsibilities, it, it became a lot, but I realized that I missed it. I realized that podcasting and talking about sports is what I wanted to be doing, and I needed a little bit more of things I wanted to do in my life. So, we are back. This is season five. Some of you may be hearing this for the first time, but to me, this is season five. It is the same show, but we're going to try to do it a little bit differently this time. Um, so, we're going to talk about sports. We're going we're gonna to talk about the headlines each week, and I can't wait to hear what some of y'all think. It has been a crazy time in the NFL. You know, we're we're right here in the middle of free agency, and man, that uh, that's proving to be uh, about as busy as we've ever seen. But not just that; there have been a lot of trades that have been some been been head scratchers. I think uh, the biggest head scratcher for some people was the Devontae Adams trade to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I remember I was at my parents' house that weekend, and my dad and I were scratching our heads about it because the whole thing, you know, the whole the whole drama with Aaron Rodgers was, you know, he he didn't want to come back to the Packers unless they franchise tagged Devontae Adams and 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 built built a team around him to to pursue a championship. And it seemed like Devontae was on the same page with Aaron given before last season, they both posted the same um, image of Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan on the last dance on their Instagram, being like, this is it. But, but you know, you thought that, you know, if, if one of them came back, so would the other one. Um, and I have to imagine that when it was negotiated that Aaron would come back, that he expected Devante to also be back. And so to see Devante get traded... Um, days after Aaron um, agreed to come back to the Packers, it was was beyond shocking. And not only that, but we haven't really heard from Aaron since that happened. And, you know, for the past few years, Devontae has been like the only offensive option uh, for the Packers. You know, Aaron Jones has been good, but as far as receiving, it's been Devontae Adams and then everyone else. But not only... Um, has has that um, has Devonte gone? But now they've lost Marquez Valdez Scantling and a few others. So now their receiver room is going to look totally different. And I imagine that their draft class is going to be very wide receiver heavy. Which yeah, that's a good year to do this because there are a ton of wide receivers in this draft. But not only um, Devonte Adams, but the trade that that was the most curious to me was Tyreek Hill. Seemingly out of nowhere heard that he was, not even really that he was unhappy in Kansas City, but it, it kind of happened all in the same day where it was like, Tyreek Hill may be moving on. Ty, you know, the Chiefs may be, may be parting ways with Tyreek Hill. And then later that day, he's traded to the Dolphins. And it sounded from his press conference like he asked them for that trade which this doesn't make sense to me for a couple of reasons. If Tyreek Hill was the one 
to ask for the trade. Why? Like, you're on the best team in football. You're on a team that's poised to be Super Bowl contenders for the next decade. And you want to go to the Dolphins, who barely missed the playoffs with a head coach who is controversially not there anymore. Um, Sure, the Dolphins are on their way up, and maybe you could be a part of that, and maybe you get to the playoffs, but the Chiefs, you're not going to find a better quarterback or head coach than Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You know, if if it was about money, I understand that, that, like, you're going for security in, in long term. But when you make it to a professional sport, the goal is always to win championships. No matter what team you're on, you're going to be making great money. So me personally, I would rather make slightly less on a winning team than be being the highest paid at my position on a, on a fringe playoff team or on a losing team. But we, we see more and more with, with um, players that, that that really doesn't matter, you know. And it's kind of a lose-lose where if a player chases the money, it's, oh, you know, winning doesn't matter. But if a player chases rings... We call them a we we brand them as a as a ring chaser, and that's not good either. So it's kind of a lose lose for players, I guess. You or you could look at it that way. I don't think that for me, if if it was me, it would be more important to win. And the Chiefs are set up to win for the next decade, and uh, the Dolphins aren't. You know, I think I think the big winner in in in, in this is Tua Tagovailoa, who now is going to have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the same field to throw to. That's awesome for him. But I don't see, you know, maybe they maybe they make the playoffs with this new head coach. We don't know. But that was a bit curious to me. Amari Cooper being traded to the Cleveland Browns was, was a little bit shocking. Um, because the 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 Cowboys are seemingly building toward a championship and and Amari Cooper was part of that impressive wide receiver room that now is going to have to fill that space like i said for both the Chiefs and the Cowboys maybe they feel like they can fill those those vacancies in a very deep wide receiver class but in in the case of Tyreek Hill you can't replace that speed you can't replace that ability and Amari Cooper is also a very, very good receiver. So I don't know if you're just going to automatically fill those slots. That that um, is a bit concerning to me. The, the next two that caught my attention are kind of a package deal. And that is Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz. Now, when I do these shows, I try my best. I, I try to be objective, you know. Because uh, that's that's the goal of any podcaster, of any of any sportscaster, of any um, talk show person to be objective, and I can do that uh, better than most people. But I'm I'm also not somebody that's going to shy away from talking about my favorite teams, or or you know you're going to know you know who I favor, but it's not going to re- affect what I talk about. That being said, you can see that I'm wearing both a Braves hat and a Braves. Um, hoodie right now, so I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but first, I want to talk about Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz. I 
was one of the ones at, I I grew up a Colts fan being even even though I live in Florida because I was a huge Peyton Manning fan so I so I attached myself to that team um throughout my childhood and my second team during that time was Atlanta so this is kind of a double whammy but when Carson Wentz was traded to Indianapolis I I was maybe one of the few that was thrilled about it I'd been a Carson Wentz fan for several years, and I recognized that the, the 2017 year that he was healthy for 13 weeks, he was the best player in the NFL. And I was with uh, Frank Reich as his, as, his, uh, as his coach, one of his position coaches. Um, and so when the idea of him reuniting with Frank and Indy came, I was really, really excited um, for that to to happen to see if what could happen and you know the Colts had a crazy season from Jonathan Taylor he's going to be a force in this league for a long time but you know come week 18 or come week 17 and 18 all the Colts had to do was win one game and they were in the playoffs now as a fan I gave them a pass in week 17 because they were playing the Raiders who were a, were a very good team so I was like, that's a, you know, it's a close, it's, it's a close loss against a, pl against a playoff team. It's fine. We'll get the Jags next week because the Colts played the Jags in um, Jacksonville in week 18. All they had to do was win. Um, now, for the last several years, the Colts have, have struggled beating Jacksonville at home, despite Jacksonville's year-to-year -year struggles. And I was in the building um for that Jags game. I I was in the stadium watching the Colts uh play and I've been to Jags games a few times cuz I live in Jacksonville and every time I've rooted for the other team. <laughs> um but this time it was to see my favorite team and a player that I really liked. Nothing went right that day. Uh Jonathan Taylor couldn't get going. The Jags defense was swarming uh Carson Wentz got sacked several times, the Jags won, the Colts missed the playoffs. And it seems unfair that from the, the moment that happened, the, all of the blame was placed on Carson Wentz. And I know he had caused a little bit of controversy with his, with his exit from Philly and, and the contract um, with the snaps possibly being a, being a downer to Philly and all this sort of stuff and his vaccination stuff. I understand that he was a little bit controversial, but I felt like too much of the blame for that last game was put on Carson Wentz. Like, listen, you you were one, one win from the playoffs. You fielded the best team you fielded in years. You missed the playoffs. You blame it all on the quarterback, and you bail. And and I hear that they were, they were talking about, oh, he didn't have that many yardage or that much yardage, and his, his um, QBR wasn't that high, and his touchdown-interception ratio, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, but my thought on that is, you have Jonathan Taylor. Within a few weeks of the season, you realized you were a running team, and he was carrying the load. You know, I don't, I don't see the Titans griping about the numbers that Ryan Tannehill puts up, because Ryan Tannehill's main job right now in Tennessee is to hand the ball to Derrick Henry. And that was what Carson's job, Carson Wentz's main job was in Indy for most of the season. So I don't think it's fair that that the Colts laid all the blame on Carson Wentz, and now he's been traded to Washington. And I, for one, am rooting for a nice rebound for him. 
That being said, the Colts had to fill his spot, and they filled it with Matt Ryan, which, for me, being a Colts fan first and a Falcons fan second, the Falcons were rebuilding. They're not going to be winning anytime, anytime soon. Um, and so they wanted to give Matt a chance to win. And so they sent him to Indy, and I'm super excited about that. Because um, it's always good when you're a fan of a team. It's always good to hear uh, that both Matt Ryan and, and Baker Mayfield, you know, when he left Cleveland, said, if I'm going to leave, there's only one place I want to go. And they both said Indianapolis. And so when you're a fan of a team, you want to hear that, like, your team is is the one destination that, that big-name players want to go to. Uh, so I'm looking forward to a fresh start for Matt Ryan. And, and the rumor is is that a lot, of, a lot of Colts players and a lot of people around the league are, are, are wanting a Julio, jo- a Julio Jones reunion in Indianapolis. And I would, I would love to see that happen. So come on, Julio, come to Indy. Uh, <laughs> but the NFL free agency and trades has been crazy. Uh, my day job is working for a team that makes a, a company that makes all the jerseys. Um, so that that with all the movement that leaves us pretty busy. Next thing I want to ta- I want to touch on LeBron James moved into second place all time on the NBA scoring list, and I want to take a just a second to I'm. Anyone who's heard the show before or talked to me about sports at all knows I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan. Um, But I have to give it to him. He moved into second all-time on the list, um, and he moved past Karl Malone to do that. And he did that, and he passed Karl Malone in 110 fewer games and 2,000 fewer minutes. So I have to give it to him, his longevity, his domination of the league, um, granted the last couple of years have been a little bit tough, but he's what, 37. So that's going to happen. It's going to happen in, in, in a big body like LeBron's, it's going to start breaking down. It's going to, you know, sprained ankles are going to be, they're going to be a little more serious than they were when he was 23, 24. I, I want to give him credit for moving into second all time. But what I really want to touch on is, does that, does that mean at all that, that makes him the goat, and if it doesn't, what's it going to take? Now, this is an opinion show. These are my opinions, and my opinion is if LeBron were to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for first on the all-time list to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer, I will start having the conversation with you. But right now, even though he's passed Michael on the list, even though he's he's, you know, played longer than Michael played, Michael Jordan is still the definitive GOAT of the NBA. And it has nothing to do with statistics. I've had this, I've had this argument with, with uh, people, people before. When, when you're talking about the greatest of all time, that is, that is a subjective conversation. Only in the NHL is it like, yep, there's number, there's one, that's it, not even close, and that's Wayne Gretzky. Even the numbers back that up. That's and hockey is the only sport where you can say, this is the number one greatest player of all time, because it, that's really hard to do in football because the longevities and the positions are so different. It's hard to be like, oh, well, this wide receiver um, should be goat before this quarterback, or this defensive lineman 
should be ahead of this running back because how do you quantify that? How do you quantify the differences between the players? And you could say the same for, for basketball that, you know, centers and point guards are different and shooting guards and power forwards are different. But it, but in today's NBA, that's that's less the case because um, thanks to players like LeBron, um, positionless basketball now exists. Positionless basketball, uh, one and five are interchangeable. LeBron plays both, all, all this sort of stuff. So in my opinion, LeBron James, um, the, his only path to being the GOAT is passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and possibly another title. Uh, the reason why it's MJ for me, it has nothing to do with, with basketball. Michael Jordan had a ferocity and tenacity that he was going to win at all cost. Michael Jordan would invent stories to motivate himself. Things that didn't even happen. And he would say, oh yeah, that happened. I'm going to go beat this guy's uh, behind. And Michael was somebody who was, I'm going to go out there every night because somewhere in that crowd is someone who's never seen me play before. And so I'm going to go put on a show for them. LeBron James plays in an era where, oh, we're, we're resting. We're doing load management. We're doing this. And actively being flustered on the court, actively doing these things. Like, Michael Jordan and LeBron James are in no way made of the same material. Michael Jordan is win at all costs, motivate at all costs. LeBron James is about the brand. LeBron James is about playing with his friends. And as we see from the Lakers season, playing with his friends isn't working out so well. Uh... Michael Jordan made players better. One of the, probably one of the biggest arguments for LeBron over Michael that I've heard is that when Michael left the Bulls in, for that year and a half period, they were still good. They still, you know, were going to make the playoffs. Scotty was still there. They, they were still a decent team. Every time LeBron's left a team, They've gone through a drought. And you could argue like, oh, look how transformative LeBron is. Look how dominant LeBron is. Yes, that's true. And I'm not taking that away from him. That That is that is a, a, a plus for him. But what I choose to see that as is LeBron, or sorry, Michael makes his teammates better. He pushes his teammates to get 100% out of them. He, he motivated his teammates to work, nobody could be as good as Michael was, but he motivated his teammates to work as hard as he did. He motivated his teammates to push as hard as he did. So when he left, yes, there was a gigantic hole by his absence, but the team was better equipped to go on without him. LeBron leaves the team, and he even takes some players with him sometimes, and they fall into a hole. And while one could choose to say, oh, it's because, you know, LeBron is, is more dominant than Michael, but I choose to say, no, it's because Michael pushed his teammates harder. Michael motivated his teammates to be better. He made his teammates better. And so when he was not there, they had the mentality to move on without him. To me, it's, it's not a contest right now. As it stands today, it's not a contest. 
Michael Jordan is the all-time best player in the NBA, and it has very little to do with st- statistical significance. I want to take a minute to talk about this guy right here, Freddie Freeman. As a Braves fan, 2021 was a fantastic season. And I am so excited to run it back in 2022 with the players that are on the team. But one player who's significantly not on the team is Freddie. He got his trophy. That's the greatest that's the greatest thing the team could have done for him. But Freddie moved on. And that's honestly that's hard for me. And that's hard for a lot of Braves fans. And no matter who is on the field for the Braves in about a week when the season starts up, thank goodness for that, I, I'll i be behind them. I'll be there, I'll be cheering them on, I'll be watching every game. But the way the Freddie Freeman situation was handled was ugly. It was dirty. It was wrong. Freddie had previously rejected a five-year, $140 million offer from the Braves. Now, should the deal have been done before this last season? Absolutely. It should have been done. When when he won the MVP, they should have been like, let's lock you up. You know, let's, let's you know, make this happen that you never put on another uniform in your career. And he said multiple times, including immediately following the title, he said, I never want to wear another uniform. I never want to play for another team than the Atlanta Braves. All of it was there for the reunion. And then the lockout happened. But I'm not going to blame the lockout for Freddie choosing the Dodgers because, like I said, the deal should have been done one year earlier. So Freddie had rejected a five-year, $140 million offer from the Braves with the rumor that the sticking point was a sixth year. It wasn't necessarily about the money, but the sticking point was a sixth year. He's 32. He wanted a contract through his age 38 season. The Braves didn't want to give him that. They wanted five years instead of six, and so that was the delay. Then the stalemate continues, very little progress, all this sort of stuff. Then the Braves shocked the world about two weeks ago when they traded for Matt Olson, a first baseman who is five years younger than Freddie, uh, who is an Atlanta native, uh, traded for Matt Olson out of nowhere um, as Freddie's replacement. They did this before Freddie signed anywhere. They did this, supposedly, without telling Freddie that they were doing it. And you could argue it's a business. You know, they had to strike while they could get him because if they didn't get him and then Freddie signed somewhere else, they'd be screwed. Correct. But you should at least have a conversation with Freddie because according to Freddie's agent, according to Freddie's father, Freddie was blindsided because he had no indication that they were going to make that trade. And his agent said, we we were going to work it out. We were going to work it out. It was going to happen. Freddie ends up signing a six-year, $162 million contract with the Dodgers. So he gets his, six, his sixth year. But what, but what I want to talk about is, if I had to, this situation was mishandled by both 
sides. If it was truly about staying in a Braves uniform for Freddie, he would have done it. He would have made a concession to say, you know what, I'll take the five. I'll, I'll, pl I'll give you five great years, and I'll earn that sixth year. He could have he, he taken it. This all could have been avoided. But he didn't. But he waited. And he waited. And there was no word to his teammates or his coaches until, you know, we, there, there was a shortened offseason because of the lockout. And so you knew that there was going to be an all-out sprint for free agents to find teams. Freddie waited. Freddie didn't say anything. There was no news. The Braves had to do what the Braves had to do. But what I don't like, and if I had to lay blame on someone for the situation, I would blame the Braves GM, Alex Anthopoulos. Because if you truly wanted to bring a player back, a player as beloved and transformative as Freddie Freeman, one year should not be the hangup. To say, I've heard arguments that says, oh, Matt Olson is younger. Oh, Matt Olson's comparable. Matt Olson's better than Freddie Freeman. First of all, that argument is baloney. I, I like Matt Olson. I'm excited to have Matt Olson. In fact, I, I was a fan of Matt Olson when he was in Oakland because I thought he was a great player. I was playing uh, a few years ago, was playing MLB The Show, and I had a franchise with the Braves, and I think, I don't remember, I think Freddie got injured and was out for the year, and I traded for Matt Olson to take his spot. So it's kind of weird that it happened that way. But nothing against Matt Olson. I will be 100% Matt Olson's biggest fan in, a, in about a week. But to not tell Freddie, to not give him a call, to not have that conversation. Freddie Freeman was more than a first baseman. He was more than, a, than statistics. He was the backbone of a franchise who went, all, went through a rebuild. He was a young player coming into a rebuilding franchise who could have said, I don't want to stick, out for, stick around for a rebuild. I don't want to do that. But he chose to stay for the lean years in, in the middle of the 2010s. He chose to ride it out because he knew something was coming. 2018 was a great year uh, for the Braves because while, while they made the playoffs and lost in the first round, it was great because nobody expected them to be there. The fans didn't expect that to be a playoff year. The players didn't expect that to be a playoff year. The analysts, nobody did. But... They were they they were ahead of schedule from what other people thought they they had, and they made the playoffs. And Freddie Freddie was on record as saying, "This is why I stayed because I knew this was coming," and it got progressively better. 2019, 2020, uh, when until we finally reached the pinnacle in 2021 and got our long-awaited veteran Chipper Jones 2.0. Some might say his championship. Which is why, regardless of where Freddie played, I wanted the bobblehead of him holding the trophy that he chose to fight for. He didn't go and join the Yankees. He didn't go and join the Dodgers in pursuit of a championship. He wanted one to come to Atlanta, and he got it. Now, it hurts extra that he chose the Dodgers, although it was always a two-team race, uh, 
between staying staying home with the Braves or going to his home in California. It was always a two-team race, and that was that was pretty clear. The Yankees were in it for some time, and there was talk about the Rays and the Blue Jays, either of which I would have preferred so that I could still kind of root for Freddie. But the fact that it was the Dodgers is what hurt. Uh, we, we got eliminated by the Dodgers in 2018 when we weren't supposed to be there. That was understandable. Then 2019 happened. The, 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 the team felt good. The team felt like they could make a run, and then they, they, you know, got dominated in Game 5 of the NLDS against the Cardinals. 2020, despite the COVID-shortened season, felt like the year. 2020 felt like the year. Everything went right. Everybody was healthy. It was going to happen in, in that short 60-game sprint of a season. But then it didn't happen. Uh, a heartbreaking Game 7 loss in the NLCS to the Dodgers sent them to the World Series and sent the Braves home. Now, for me, that was one of the hardest moments as a Braves fan. Um, I could not... For for a few months after that, I couldn't I couldn't wear my brave shirts. I couldn't look at it because like that loss hurt. And for and, and for anyone who's a a diehard fan of a team, you understand what I'm talking about. Like we take those losses personally because people are like, oh, it's just a game, it's just whatever. But we take that personally and and we attach to these teams and these players. So that loss hurt. So all we were thinking about for the the duration of 2021 was beating the Dodgers. The, the end result was less on our minds than let's beat the Dodgers. Then 2021 didn't go how, how Braves fans expected. We struggled. We were under 500 at the All-Star break, but our GM said we're not giving in and made some trades. Jorge Soler, Jack Peterson, Eddie Rosario and um, bringing Adam Duvall back. He said, we're not giving up, and we're pushing through. And dang it, did they push through. And, and they got to the Dodgers, and they beat the Dodgers. And that was huge, because that was, that was redemption. When the Braves won the World Series, the night it happened, I was thrilled. I, there's video evidence of that that will not see the light of day. Um, I was so happy. But in the, in the days and weeks following that, after I had spent way too much money on World Series champion merchandise, uh, it never sunk in. It never felt real. I never fully could, could let it be. And I think, looking back on it now, I think it was because I knew the lockout was happening. I knew the lockout was coming. I knew that this, that this season was facing some trouble. Thank goodness we're still playing 162. Uh, and I knew that Freddie was going to be a free agent. So those things kind of clouded the celebration for me. So for Freddie to, to go to that team, um, because, you know, and because I knew these things were happening and couldn't enjoy as much as I wanted to, the championship, beating the Dodgers to me was the championship. Like that, that was the big moment. Like winning the winning it all is obviously what you want to do, but sometimes because of situations, there are other things. And for me, beating the Dodgers was the big thing. So for Freddie to go there, and to wear that uniform after the last four years of fighting to get where we got last year, 
it hurts a lot. Now, what I find interesting, and this is the last thing I'll say, because I don't blame Freddy. I don't blame Freddy. I, I, I'm still a Freddy Freeman fan. I hate the choice that he made. Because um, for me, the, the blame goes to Anthopolis. You know, a guy wins an MVP one season and, and leads a World Series team the next, and you're fighting with him over one year. Like, even if he theoretically, you give him that year, and he theoretically breaks down in that age 38 season, that sixth year, if he gives you four and a half, five really good years the way he's given you the last 12, who cares? I think the bridge is burned. You know, we're seeing we're seeing now that Albert Albert Pujols is, is having one final run with the Cardinals, and he was beautifully embraced to come back. I would love Freddie to come back after this contract with the Dodgers plays out. I would love for him to play his age 39 season in a Braves uniform and, and call it a day. But I feel like the way this was handled, that's that door is closed. A, a guy that wins an MVP and a World Series in consecutive seasons, you give the man what he wants. You give him what he wants. What I do find interesting, though, is if you take the one year out of it, if you take the sixth year out of the contract, if Freddie Freeman had ac had accepted the Braves' offer of five years, one forty, his average annual salary would have been twenty eight million. The offer he accepted, six years for one hundred sixty two for the Dodgers, the average annual value is twenty seven million. So very obviously, it wasn't about money. He wanted that extra year of security, and Alex Anthopoulos couldn't give it to him because he accepted less money to go to go to the to the Dodgers than the Braves offered. If you if you look at with AAV, so it wasn't about money. It was about security. It was about knowing where he was going to play out his career. It was one year. He asked for one year, and you couldn't give it to him. So I don't blame Freddie Freeman. We want to talk about loyalty. I don't blame Freddie. What did he handle it well? No. Now it, it was horribly mishandled by both sides. But it, it's not on Freddie. He, it should have been. He it should he should have made his choice a lot sooner. Maybe this could have been avoided. But this should have been handled one year sooner. This should have been handled after the 2020 season said, you're not playing anywhere else. Because he had said that for years, not just 2021. He had said that for years, that he never wanted to put on another uniform. And so we're, go we're, we're, we're going into this season without this guy. We're going into the season without the guy who made this possible. And that's difficult for me and for a lot of people. Well, what I always said was, you know, when when everybody was complaining about Freddie, when everybody was complaining about the Matt Olson trade, they were saying, well, well, how can you be mad at him? He won you a World Series. Get off of him. And I, and yes, he won us a World Series, and that is the goal. And, and, and the goal is to put a competitive team on the field. And the Braves will be competitive again this year. The Braves are going to make a run again this year. Running it back is a real possibility. But... I, and I said this from the moment the World Series ended. I said, if Anthopolis does not bring Freddie back, that World Series 
no longer matters. They'd be like, okay, great, it happened. But look what you did. Look how royally you screwed up. I said that from the beginning. And here we are. And and the tears that Anthopolis nearly shed talking about the Matt Olson trade, I think they were genuine. I think he was sad about not bringing Freddie back, but it was totally avoidable. And I'm not sure Freddie bought it. I'm not sure Freddie bought it. I think the bridge is burned, and that's the saddest part of this. All right, that's all for me this week. This has been Empire Sports Talk with Roman Gennaro, back for Season 5 after three years. Thank you for listening. I look forward to, to doing this with you guys every week. See you soon. Have a good one.